0: Hello, Air Warriors. This is Tim Sandlin with the 102nd Intelligence Wing Public Affairs Office. On this episode of Chevron's, we present a roundtable discussion that occurred on our other podcast, The Seagull. The conversation revolved around how we connect with one another, how we support each other, and what we do to strengthen the culture here at our wing. It was a good conversation and we felt it was important to share with you, our Chevron's audience. So stay tuned and have a listen. We'll be back again next month with more great guests. Okay, so let's uh, let's just go around the horn and, uh, and and learn a little bit about who is here on this panel today.
1: I am Jill Garvin, and I'm the Director of Psychological Health here.
2: And I'm Staff Sergeant Finnamore. I am a Fusion Analyst over at the 267th Intelligence Squadron.
3: Colonel Sean Riley, Commander of the 102nd.
4: Senior Master Sergeant Escobar, Force Development Office Superintendent.
5: Staff Sergeant James Hightower, I'm a Security Forces Flight Sergeant and Combat Arms Instructor.
0: Okay, thanks. Um, to get us started with a bit of an introduction of why we're here today, um, Jill, can you uh, get us started?
1: Yeah, I'm really excited to be here with everyone and just to have a a really special group of different views and different perspectives. Um, And so we talk a lot about connection around, not just suicide prevention, but uh, mental health. And you hear that word a lot, but it's because it is preventative. Um, Connection helps lower anxiety and depression helps regulate our emotions it increases self-esteem it improves our um, immune system and it increases our self-awareness so we can recognize when we have distress in ourselves or with others and you know we all deal and I say we not you we all deal with depression or mood stuff or anxiety at some points in our lives like none of us are immune to that so it's really important to learn how to connect and there are a lot of creative ways of doing that I want to hear what you guys do any suggestions that you might have and again we have different and shared perspectives and when we share some of our own personal experiences or suggestions That is very, very powerful. That's the most effective way of connecting with others, um, reducing stigma and making it okay to ask for help because we all need that at some point. So we can go around and I'd like to hear from everyone like what does connection mean to you? Why do you think it is important? What are some ways that you connect or any suggestions on how we can connect? Who'd like to go first?
2: All right, I'll go ahead. Uh, I think for me, connection is when I feel like I'm being seen and being heard and validated and sort of emotionally nurtured by uh, people that I care about. Um, And so connection can take many forms, whether it's going on a nature walk with a friend or being in a healthy uh, relationship or um, having your mother or your father or an aunt uncle send you a text in the morning that just reminds you that you are cared for and um, somebody is thinking of you.
4: Thank you. Maria? Yes, so connection, yes, is very important. It's one of those things where... um, I think, especially now during these times, we are more so reliant on social media or texting or uh, other Snap or Instagram, and we tend to forget a little bit of that one-on-one face-to-face that we actually need to once in a while, you know, utilize in order to connect with others. So for myself, I've been a little bit more mindful of that, especially because I have, you know, younger children who are more into that world of social media. So with them, I have the conversation of kind of reminding them of the importance of actually trying to not only connect via snap, because my daughter especially, she's always snapping. And I'm like, do you, like, actually call your friends? Because sometimes I try calling her, and instead she usually texts me back. And I'm like, no, I want to hear your voice, because right now she's in California away at school. So... I personally try to remember to do that a little bit more often. Like, for example, being here in Building 170, sometimes instead of emailing someone, if I could do it, I actually get up from behind my desk and I go visit them at that office and go talk to them face-to-face. So I am one of those people who I actually need to have interaction because that is actually how I can maybe for myself I'm able to Uh, get energized i need energy from others whether it's a happy good morning or even if they're having a bad day hey let's work on this let's talk about this and maybe make their day a little bit better so that face to face is one of those things that i really try to think about a lot and i know there's there's introverted people out there as well but um taking a nature walk you know like um Sergeant Fillmore uh, mentioned earlier, it's really important too, so that if you just want to do that with a family or a close friend, and you're not necessarily a social butterfly, that's also a good way to connect, other than just kind of like being connected in your social media, but having that face-to-face is also yeah, important. that's
1: a, a great point, because we are so reliant on, on social media and texting and emailing, even when someone's right next door, so just that human connection And that does energize us when we're face-to-face with someone. So thank you.
5: I was actually going to say similar to what Sergeant Escobar was saying. Um, My connections, I build from the basics. I don't rely on communication through Outlook and Teams, and sometimes that can frustrate people. I'm not the best at responding to emails because I'd rather just stand up from where I am and, as she said, have that communication direct with that person. and going back to the, the basics is even if it's just passing someone that you work with every day in the hallway, stop and say, hey, how's it going? Everybody says, hi, how are you? Or how's your day going? But stop and say, hey, what's new? I haven't seen you in a while. Try to invest your time for a few seconds and just make them feel appreciated. And you get that satisfaction, too, is because you build that connection. It builds friendships. Um, it makes it seem more more genuine and more real. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and phone calls, too. I, I can text million people every day but how many of those connections am I actually relying on when I need someone to listen to me or someone needs to listen or need someone to listen to them um, I think connectivity with each other starts at, at the basics and we kind of look past that a lot absolutely thank you
3: so I really ask uh, like those comments, uh, especially Maria. I'm, I'm a big fan of management by walking around. Uh, not only this building, uh, but but anywhere on the base or coming through the Gibbons Gate. I like to talk and see how everyone's doing and what's going on. And then, w- with the folks that I work pretty closely with on a daily basis, I think, a- a- as you said, Sergeant Hightower, I like to, hey, h- how how was your weekend? And it and you don't walk away. It's like, listen, how was their weekend? And the, oh, you went out with your your kids and where did you go? And and, and I think if We understand the folks that we work with closely, and and I think we're uh, better able to know when something might be off or when they're not they're not what their usual self is um so really you know take some time and e- even taking that one step further when we you know have all our folks in for a drill weekend right we see a lot of those folks 20 28 days of the month we don't see them in the two days so really taking some time on the drill to connect with our folks that are serving in the traditional capacity I- and get to know them and their story and what they're all about
1: yeah absolutely and connection doesn't mean You have to be best friends with everyone and and hang out with them. It's just knowing do they have kids or what are some of their hobbies or some of their interests or um, things like that. And, again, that helps us recognize when someone, if there are any changes in someone, then we can sort of see it if uh, they're in distress. But, yeah, Colonel Riley, I wanted... You know, there's a lot of research around how important leadership is around reducing stigma, encouraging um, help-seeking behaviors because you really do help control culture in a lot of ways. So I wanted to get your feedback on, on that um, and maybe some ways that you do that. Uh, I, I liked what you said about Walking around, I know that when I see you in my office area, I always feel more supported and a little bit more connected to to the wing, and that is very, very helpful. But, yeah, I would like to hear some of your feedback.
3: Thank you, Jill. I think as far as leadership uh, goes, I think the most important thing uh, that leaders can do uh, is, is to eliminate uh, any stigma associated, you know, with seeking help when someone needs it. I think that's really important. Uh, I, I spoke a little bit about this during the August Commander's Message, and, and I talked about psychological safety, uh, you know, the shared belief in an organization that other members, in this case other members of the wing, you know, they won't dismiss me or they won't think less of me if I say something or, or in this case, you know, ask for help. So I I think that that's very important that leaders set that tone and make sure that people understand um, that that is very important and perfectly normal to ask for help when you need it, something a lot of people probably don't want to do, certainly people in the military, right? I don't need help. I can do this. And I think the other unique situation we have here at the 102nd is being an intelligence wing and having you know, in excess of 600 airmen that have a top-secret clearance, there seems to be this mindset that if I seek, you know, help or, or uh, mental health issues, if I do that, I'm going to lose my clearance. Uh, you know, I've heard that a lot, and, it, and, it, and it's not true. So uh, in preparation for today's podcast, I, I went out and looked at the, the DOD, the, the CAF, the Consolidated Adjudication Facility, and I'll just read this quote and share it with everyone. A cleared individual is not likely to lose or fail to gain clearance eligibility after seeking mental health care or experiencing mental health systems. And, and, and further, what not likely is, 0.005% or 12 out of 2.4 million over the last 10 years. I think folks are more likely, if you don't seek help and things, uh, you know, grow, and then now you have financial issues or relationship and other issues, that may impact your clearance. So I I would encourage anyone that needs help to get it and be very proactive, and it's not going to impact your clearance and your ability to serve with the wing.
1: Yeah, and and to add on to that, I'm really glad you brought up the, the clearance issue, because I do try to share that information but i still have people tell me they were afraid to seek out help because they think they're going to lose their clearance so the other thing is that if you go to counseling or marriage counseling uh that is not treatment that you don't have to report what they want you to report is if you've had psychiatric inpatient if you've been court ordered um Things like that. And that doesn't mean you're going to lose your clearance or your career. They actually want to see that you're following your treatment plan, that you're improving, that you're getting better. And that tiny, tiny percentage that Colonel Riley mentioned, it, when people lose their um, careers or clearances, it's usually other issues on top of the mental health as well. So it is a very small percentage. Anyway, thank you. Um And so I guess I also want to ask the group, and again, this can be a discussion, uh, what do you find that your leadership does that's helpful? Um, Any constructive ideas on how we can improve, but especially for some of you that have been here for a while and probably have had different types of leadership, what are some of the types of leadership that you've had that have been most effective? for you
0: and jill we're, we're talking about all levels of leadership as well right your yeah. supervisor right up to your commander. yeah
1: absolutely not yeah just yeah. commanders but yeah all, all authority figures authority figures yeah
2: so i've been in the military for a little over nine years i started in active duty and i've had some very poor examples of leadership and also some excellent examples of leadership and i find that the best examples I've had were when either a direct supervisor or squadron commander or even a wing commander sort of had a mentality of people first, mission second. Because without your people, you don't have a mission. A mission doesn't run itself. And right now, currently, um, I would say it's a it's a great privilege to have Colonel Park as our current commander, and she's only been with us for a little over a year. And the minute she got to us, just her disposition, her warmth, and her ability to let us know that she truly is available and does have that open door policy, um, really makes us all feel more not only connected, but also safe, emotionally safe to be ourselves, To seek help if we need help and to just speak up um, if you are struggling or even if you just want to celebrate some great news. um, We've all been doing such a great job at uh, making each other feel seen and um, feel appreciated. And I think that it starts with that emotional, creating that emotional, emotionally safe space and. Uh, I just wanted to sort of praise her for that because she's done such an excellent job.
1: And with all of that, that increases productivity, right? You know, you're, you're a better wingman, you're better at your job, you're more proficient when you have that kind of environment. Thank you. Thank
0: you. I'd like to say, uh, you know, with, with all the time I've got in the military and as a civilian in the organization, uh, two words that always, or two phrases that have always come up since the, the moment I went through basic training. Esprit de corps and camaraderie. Mm-hmm. And if you start from a baseline of that team concept, and not just team as in working together, but getting along with each other and living together, uh, living under one roof and functioning as a unit um, health in a healthy way, um, once you've got that, the rest is a lot easier. So if you have a, a dysfunctional team, you're never going to get to the next level. So it's just getting along with everybody and, and uh, being mindful of those around you. And, and, uh, and just to jump back real briefly to the walk, the walkabout, you know, process, I can get into myself personally, I can get into a cycle where I'm working hard and I got things going on and somebody appears at my door and I'm like, Oh boy. But you know what? Those things need to be nurtured. That behavior needs to be nurtured that, you know, it's it's something if 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 you like you're you're overly busy and, and you can't take a moment to to greet the person that just walked up to you at the door, and appreciate the fact that they are walking over rather than calling or leaving a voicemail or a five page email in your inbox, uh, that's that's meant that should be appreciated and cherished. So thank you, you've given me a new outlook.
1: I remember that since I pop in on you all the time. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> You're the exception, Joe. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but thank you.
4: So, jumping in on the uh, importance of leadership, and you know, at all levels, as far as supporting and being cognizant of uh, everyone around, as far as you know, getting to know people and taking the time to say hello and greet them properly, and like the colonel said, you know, do take your time if you're asking the question to listen to them and know you people to see what the signs are. Well, I can say this from my own personal experiences that I also appreciate it when maybe one of my subordinates or an airman comes to me and truly asks me, how are you doing today, ma'am? How's your day? Because I truly do let them know I'm doing all right, having a rough day today. And I do appreciate those airmen that actually do take the time and I have had that experience where they've been like, oh, what's going on? And I will tell them. I'm honest with them. It's like, yeah, I'm having a hard day today, X, Y, and C. Obviously, I don't share the whole entire thing, but I will share enough for them to, like, you know, I appreciate the fact that they're taking that time. Because then, in turn, I go ahead and, you know, we have that conversation. Because we all, everyone, can learn from each other, right? It doesn't matter who the person is. So that is important what I've learned as, you know, someone being in a, in a senior position. And another thing that life, you know, throws us stuff where it constantly tests us. And one of the things is like, you know, we all experience moments of we all have issues, problems, experiences, uh, situations that life throws at us, right? So we had COVID. We had a lot going on, a lot that got thrown at everybody's life all at once. And I have truly learned that it's okay to ask for help. I am one of those people who I'm like, nope, I can't handle this, I can't handle that, and you know, it's just my personality, how I was raised, and I always had a hard time asking for help, and you do need to ask for help. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't make you weak, and I learned that. I learned that the hard way, but I learned it, and I have very supportive leadership that thankfully listened and were there to support me in every aspect of my troubles and situations, so For those out there listening, it is okay to ask for help, trust me. It does not make you weaker, and I learned that the hard way.
2: (laughs) Ma'am, I just wanted to sort of, uh, while you were just speaking, I'm a big fan of Brene Brown, and for anybody who is not familiar with her, she is a very well-known sociologist who studies vulnerability, shame, really difficult emotions, and her stance on vulnerability is... That in order for you to really, truly connect with people, you have to be able to stand in vulnerability. Otherwise, you can't really have that true connection. And it does sound like what you just explained is almost the exact definition of vulnerability. And your ability to share with your airmen that you are having a rough day makes you more relatable and doesn't make you seem like you are that invincible machine that we are not. We're human beings and we have emotions, so... Thank you for sharing that.
1: Well, I'm a social worker, so I love Brene Brown. She's the one, you guys have probably seen it. She does like this cartoon on empathy and sympathy. We show it a lot in, in some different trainings. And she also just did like a four-part uh, thing on, on HBO. But she really talks a lot about emotional literacy and increasing our language around emotional literacy so most of us say oh I'm fine I'm good I'm okay I'm stressed and we can connect more with others as we kind of will understand what we're really feeling and use more descriptive words and that also increases connections but yeah she has a podcast and and some really wonderful books that I think that really help us get in touch with with our own emotions and connect with others. Anybody else want to comment on on that piece, on leadership and what's been helpful or even uh, things that we can improve on? Not necessarily to be critical, but yes, Jay. Uh,
6: Yes, this is uh, Sergeant Jay Whitaker from Public Affairs. Uh, I was documenting pictures, but I I did want to chime in on on this particular. Um, I also came from active duty, uh, like Sergeant Fenimore, and I, I I just really I've had positive like you I've had positive experiences and negative experiences as well and um, I am I do consider like myself lucky because uh, to have those positive and negative experiences because you appreciate it more when you when you get to a place and you know thankfully and gratefully like we have a, a wing that really fosters that like it's okay to ask for help and Sarn Escobar I, I totally to, i'm gonna put on my nco hat and piggyback on what you just said but you know like it is okay to ask for help I, the unit i came from i was there for 11 years we did not ask for help it was mission first people eventually you know i mean like that might have been it might have that might as well been the motto and um you know when i came here you know obviously we had to deal with everything in 20 i came here right before tw- uh the pandemic started and um I have to say just that the people here have been, they really foster a culture of like, hey, you need something, we got you, what can we do for you? And to anybody listening, again, I will say, don't be afraid to ask for help. You, you, if anything, you, not only will you receive help, you'll get so much help, you won't even know what to do <laughs> with it. So it's good. It's, it's, that's Thank all. You, Thank you, Jay.
1: Any other feedback on that? Thank you. It's really good to hear some different perspectives. And next I wanted to talk a little bit about, and some of you have mentioned this, but some tools and techniques and resources. Uh, I've been to some other groups where we've had this discussion, and I've learned things about what resources and techniques work for someone else that then I would like to try. I am always... not just for myself, but for the folks that I work here with here at the wing looking for different things because different things work for different people. So I'd love to hear what are some tools that you you do use to connect or that improves your own stress level um, techniques, anything like that.
3: Thanks, Jill. I think something that I've started doing a lot, certainly as I've Gotten into group and now wing command, which can be fairly busy, is I find that I like to take ten minutes out during the day, like at lunch, and uh, I- and meditate just for ten minutes. Um, I use Headspace, uh, n- no pressure there, but uh, lots of different apps or ways to do that, and I really find uh, that th- the results are uh, lower blood pressure you just calm down uh, a headache and and you, you step out of that you know 10 minutes and i think you're 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 more aware you're in the moment you're you're connected to yourself and th- because of that you can you know effectively deal with with other people uh, better better understand them you're not really just kind of on the outside looking in taking that time for yourself just 10 minutes a day can be be really incredible
1: yeah I and mean, when we are so busy like that uh, our nervous system or you know, gets on high alert, we're in freeze or fight mode sometimes, and so finding things that can lower your bre- blood pressure, uh, it gets oxygen into the bloodstream when we do some proper breathing and do some meditation. And I always tell military people that, our folks, um, you know, when, when people think that kind of sounds woo-woo or kind of far out there, There's a lot of science and evidence-based research around apps, meditation, breathing, and what it really does on a physiological level and how it helps our mental health. So I'd love to hear some other ideas from you guys.
5: I think I agree with what Colonel Riley was saying. Um, You definitely need a way to take a step back, breathe, breathe and relax yourself and process everything that is a stressor in your life currently, whether that's just a busy work day or if you have stuff going on at home that's just festering. Something that helps me is I, I feel I seldomly sit on my thoughts. I usually have somebody, whatever the topic is, whatever the stressor is, that all know immediately, hey, I should talk to my dad about this, this issue or I should talk to my friend about this this thing I have going on at work. I usually find people that I can vent to that I know that are reliable, that will listen, and hopefully, whether they relate or not or understand my problem, they'll at least be there and try to understand where I'm coming from. Um, And that's kind of hard to do for most people because we do have stigmas or we do have that premeditated decision that we're we're not going to tell people our issues because we want to seem strong, we want to seem invincible, and for the longest time, I... I kept telling myself that, and the security forces career field and law enforcement in general, there's a lot of stigmas where you can't talk because if you talk about how you really feel, you're you're less strong and you're not that superhero anymore, and you have to just put on your cape and go back to fighting, and I, I don't think that that's the case. I think people do need to be able to at least have somebody they can rely on whatever the issue is to just kind of vent. Um, I used to try to tell myself, well, I can't. Take my work home with me because that's not good for your home life, but that doesn't necessarily mean you can't talk about what you're dealing with. There's definitely a way you can vent and express your feelings. Say that you're upset about something, you're frustrated about something, or maybe somebody made you angry at work, and you you do need to be able to vent and just let all that that conversation breathe out so it's not just bottled up inside. So I think that that's my two cents on that is that you need people to have those conversations with and maybe some of it you don't have that conversation with everybody um, but maybe a close friend you have hey at work today I dealt with my supervisor yelling at me because I did this wrong but then maybe you're dealing with some family drama and you talk to your significant other husband wife girlfriend um, and you just say hey you know my aunt Susie is saying this and it it causes family drama that maybe people at work aren't going to understand as much but you never really know I think that you just have to know who you surround yourself with and who those reliable folks can be I
1: love a couple things that you said and one is who do we let into our lives into our space and and we need to have safe people right Um, that that we can share some things with and I'm also glad you brought up Security forces, because you know we have different cultures here. Depending on what what your mission is, and I have had a lot of people in security forces over the years that think they can't ask for help because they won't be able to carry. Um, because if they have to go on medication, that everybody's going to know, and again, they're going to they're going to look weak. And I know that's something that the uh, commander over there and I've been talking a lot about is is how to really encourage people, especially in that career field, um, to ask for help. And again, it's not not a career breaker. um, And it lets other people know that it's okay, right? Absolutely. Especially in that kind of stressful uh, work environment. Thank you. Yes,
5: absolutely. I think the career field in itself is harsh, and that tends to... It makes people want to put walls up and want to close other people off and try to act all tough that they can't talk to people. And they think that if I do talk to someone, they're going to think I'm not fit for duty. And that's not really the case. Um, I learned that moving towards a civilian law enforcement career, that if you don't talk about these things, you're, you're just building them up. And you do need to have a way to express your feelings, especially dealing with some stressful real-life scenarios.
1: Mm-hmm. And I always mention to people, sorry to talk so much, but The Body Keeps the Score is a great book because it really talks about early trauma or more current trauma, but how it gets stored into the body. And even if we, we think we're putting it on a back shelf we're just, putting it somewhere and it, it really, it, it gets stored in our bodies and then it manifests itself in different ways with stress, health problems, relationship problems. And so until we find some kind of support around that, um, it will improve your mental health.
2: I just wanted to uh, piggyback on what uh, Sergeant Hightower was saying. So I think sometimes it takes you being a pioneer And especially if you work within an office culture that may be dominated by males and that stereotypical male persona that we think of as a society of, you know, if you're a male, you're not supposed to be quote unquote soft or talk about your feelings or all of these things that are. They're really bad myths (laughs) because we like I said before, we all have emotions and the physical and the emotional body is one. It's all connected. And if you are not taking care of your emotional health, it's going to eventually catch up to you physically and it can have really long lasting negative effects. But, um, so I really appreciate you sharing that and perhaps maybe you're being a little bit of a pioneer over there and just speaking up and talking about it. And therefore, when you talk about it, it gives other airmen around you that might have been apprehensive before to say, you know what, maybe I can speak up and maybe I can talk about stuff and, uh, it's cool, you know, so, so that's really good. So thank you. And I encourage you to keep doing that.
5: Thank you. Um, I'm definitely guilty of it myself, though. So <laughs> I there are times when I, I definitely close out other people, and you can definitely tell what kind of mood I'm in if you come through the gate, whether or not I need a coffee yet, um, based on how talkative I can be. If I, hey, how are you, with a smile, or if it's, okay, thanks, have a good one. I might be perfectly fine, but in our career field, we do put up those walls, and we, we put on an act to try to act like that, um, I would say, an example, Um, especially in our, our job, we want to be that example of professionalism um, for others to emulate. And I think that's what makes us kind of shush our own feelings away sometimes.
2: Thank you. Now I know what to look for at the gate. (laughs) Um.
5: Bring a coffee.
2: (laughs) So, you know, but personally tools that I may use to connect or improve, my mental health, but also the mental health of those that are around me because I struggle to just keep things to myself, especially when I think that there's a collective value there. Uh, One of them being bringing little resources to the office, like a little dinosaur therapy. Um, It's just a really nice, lighthearted little comic book on different uh, mental health topics like depression, anxiety, work, and friendship, or, um, and I just put it in the main area, the break area, and I've had some coworkers. I've caught them sitting there during their lunchtime, flipping through it, and going, huh, this is really cool, this is really interesting, and I know they're getting something from it, so that's sort of something that I've done for those that are around me, but for myself, nature, uh, COVID really forced me out more into nature, and I found that Immersing myself in nature by myself makes me feel more connected and that I am part of something way bigger than myself. And then also being cognizant of the stories and the dialogues that I tell myself. And then I sort of walk myself through this, uh, okay, I just told myself a story. Is it true? Do I have the facts to support this story? Is there somebody else involved in this story? Do I have their perspective, and so it's it's a way for me to check myself, and then go, you know what, Hebert, you need to calm down here. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're overreacting. Um, it's gonna be okay, or you know maybe it's not gonna be okay. And then from there, as you mentioned early, Hightower, just uh, who are my um, my safety net people? I call them uh, my my friends or those really those confidants that I can say, you know what. It's time to phone a friend and and say, hey, I need your perspective. And also, ask for what you need. Sometimes you just need to vent. And so I like to start with, hey, I just need to vent. And that lets them know that they just need to listen. And vice versa, when a friend calls me or they start sharing something that might be a little bit um, puzzling, once they're done talking, I always like to say, what? can i do for you how do you need me to be there for you at this moment and i let them tell me and then i sort of proceed accordingly so that's sort of the tools that i use
1: Uh, i love all these ideas maria you have a couple tools for us or some resources
4: so pretty much everyone has mentioned i use headspace as well i actually a great tool out there um another thing that i do and i used to do it often and then I kind of stopped doing it, and it's working out. So I started hitting the gym again. I do two workouts a day: one in the morning before I come in, and then one in the evening after I leave work. Yeah, I'm crazy right now <laughs> doing a 75 day challenge. If anyone wants to join me, yes, please. Um, uh, the other thing that I that I also. Uh, do is I joined a group it's called females in action and it's a workout outdoor group yes it's for females only so for those females out there in the south coast and uh, that was actually how I initiated my uh, working out and kind of getting out there again not only connecting with others because of COVID it was outdoor workout, so you weren't really close to anybody and it's year round so it doesn't matter the temperature whether it's cold hot warm it doesn't matter we're out there working out. So finding those resources out there in your community is what I want to, you know, hit upon, is there's a lot out there. You Again, you don't have to be a social butterfly. You could also be a person that is to yourselves, but there are nature walking groups out there. Uh, there is a, you know, if you like to read books and you want to uh, further... Whatever you know, professional development or whatever you're looking for, and you want to join a reading group, you know they're out there. So for myself, I wanted to start working out again because I used to really work out a lot, and I started doing that. I'm like, okay, let me see, and then I got introduced to this group where it started you know, I started going back into working out and getting out there again. So, and now I'm volunteering because we also volunteer with this group and I just actually finished doing a volunteer thing this weekend, uh, which was a uh, community baby shower that the city of Fall River threw for uh, women of uh, that are underprivileged. So all those things lead to one and another and another. So other than headspace or walking, you know, working out, those are great things to actually uh, get you going out there. So basically finding... Your passion,
1: and there's a meetup group for just about everything, right?
6: Yes, there. <laughs> is. Like, I just, I just found out about that app, uh, Meetup. Yeah. Uh, that is because I'm, I still consider myself new to Massachusetts, and so, you know, it's it's weird to be a a, a person in their late thirties, like, okay, how do I find friends, you know? Just mm-hmm. uh, and so you're, or just people that are into the same things that, that I'm that I'm into. Uh, I found out. Um, I, I was stationed in Utah for a long time, and so I'm, I'm, I missed the mountains. But like, I got into bird watching. That was like my way of. Um, I was when I also when I was T D Y at Kessler for six months. I was like, what do you do in Mississippi? And I found out that I love fish tacos. Turns out there are groups on Meetup that love fish tacos and bird watching, and th- that is, I mean that's a real thing um, that, that that is available to you. Uh, we mentioned uh, Headspace earlier. I I just saw this. Uh, uh, yesterday that uh there's an app called balance that is a meditation and sleep app they're it's on apple and they're giving a free membership for an entire year so that is something that is and um that's something i'm definitely going to check out uh but for me i you know sergeant am I'm, I'm like you I, I love to hit the gym uh, and i got back into boxing you know and that was a Way to get out some stress, uh, that's also you know, so and just the discipline of getting up in the morning. So, there's so many different ways, and I, I always tell people lean into your hobby, like if you if, or lean into, like, listen, don't be afraid to listen to your body. If, if your body's like saying, I got all this nervous energy, um, and I feel like dancing, then turn up, uh, have a five minute dance party to yourself. I, you'd be surprised, and you might feel a, a little bit better if you if you feel like you just want to go. Uh, look at nature. Go look, in, look at nature. If you're into cars or into axe throwing, you'd be surprised. Lean into your hobbies. If uh, Don't be afraid to geek out before you freak out. I, that, I know that rhymes, but there we go. <laughs>
1: and, and if you don't know what your hobby is or you're, you've are you lost interest, I always ask that um, when folks come in and they're dealing with depression because they've lost interest in their hobbies and they just don't want to do them anymore. Uh, but, you know, look for other things like do a little research think about what you might be interested in don't be afraid of of trying new things I liked what uh yeah Maria you were saying about service work like that's a great way to get out of ourselves and you were talking about thoughts um I know one of the things I've really been working hard on the last couple of years is just sort of my my thinking and my my thoughts at times you know that's a lot of uh, Eastern philosophy talks about, that's what causes our suffering often. It's just our thoughts about situations and ourselves, right? That kind of inner self-critic. So I've really tried to explore and try a lot of different things, techniques, hobbies that really look at uh, distractions. You know, I, I think you were talking about things that you say to yourself and When you're having a thought, asking yourself, helpful, not helpful, Uh, things like that. Or I went on a silent retreat this weekend, never thought I could be silent a whole weekend. Um, It was even (laughs) no eye contact, but it was guided, and they gave us sort of mantras to say. We did walking meditation, but again, it, it was a way to just sort of calm down the mind and to become more skillful with our thoughts and our thinking. So uh, a couple, almost a couple years ago, I went through a divorce and just everything changed in my world. And I really have made an effort to try different things in the community, to connect better, everything from a silent retreat to dance classes, to painting. Sometimes I, I went to some quirky dance thing and you know stayed 10 minutes. I was like, mm, this isn't for me. I can't just do salsa music today. But I explore, and, and, and the nature thing is, is really important, too. So I just encourage people to have an open mind, try new things, see what sticks. Uh, I had a friend recently that told me she joined a meetup group for ping pong players. Like, who knew, right? There is something for just about everyone. Or invite a friend to go with you.
0: So uh, you, you mentioned distractions. Um, speaking from personal experience, and Jill, you and I have talked about this a number of times, one of my biggest distractions when I'm trying to relax and wind down from a long day is television, YouTube, technology. It's all in your face. If you don't put the phone down, if you don't turn it off, you don't turn off the big screen in front of you, you know, and prepare yourself for a restful sleep, you're never going to get a restful sleep. Um, but with that said, I'm also a geek. So I, you know, I live on technology. That's my, that's, I love technology. So what I would say that we talked about this before, Joe, is uh, I've got a smart home, may look stupid from the outside, but it's very smart. Um, I've got Google Home, I've got, you know, the smart bulbs, I've got smart plugs, I've got, you know, the speakers, and everything is operated off that. Um, I've got these great LED light bulbs that change any color you want. um, And it, I, I could set up a routine where I say, okay, you know, hey, Google, it's time to go to sleep. And it'll dim all the lights and change the color of the bulb. And it'll, you know automatically kick on some soothing you know the waves crashing on the ocean that'll start playing through the speakers um if that's what it takes get yourself some smart bulbs and uh, smart speakers and set up a set up a routine
1: yeah uh, i love that i um
0: use technology to your advantage instead of the other way around
1: yeah and there's a lot of research around what we listen to what we expose ourselves to you know even I try to listen to calming music at night. I can definitely feel myself calmed down. The other thing I was just going to quickly mention when I was talking about some of the things that I've tried is, and I talk to people about this, really working on the relationship with yourself because someone else isn't going to fix us. And there are unhealthy distractions, right? We can get into codependent relationships or expect a friend or, or someone else to... And while we need support and can talk to a therapist or our friends, uh, really focusing on how can I focus on the relationship with myself so I can show up better for other people. And another saying I like to say is, uh, don't abandon yourself. You know, what are some ways that you can kind of stay with yourself? And we're talking about distractions. So I always also mention alcohol. That can be a distraction for folks. But remember that that it's like pouring gasoline on, on fuel. It, it just will really increase your anxiety. But anyway, these are some great ideas uh, and resources. And I have a ton in my office. I could go on and on about that. But what I'd like to do to close up, and thank you, everyone, is maybe just uh, close – with some encouraging words that you would say to someone that might be struggling or words that have helped you in the past. I know we've mentioned some things, but, yeah, just, just some closing closing words of encouragement.
2: So, again, Brene Brown, uh, as, as you can tell, I'm, I really don't like her, right? Uh, <laughs> so I have a quote here that I would like to close by her, and it's on wholehearted living. Wholehearted living is about engaging in our lives from a place of worthiness. It means cultivating the courage, compassion, and connection to wake up in the morning and think, no matter what gets done and how much is left undone, I'm enough. It's going to bed at night thinking, yes, I'm imperfect and vulnerable and sometimes afraid, but that doesn't change the truth that I'm also brave and worthy of love and belonging.
3: How do we even follow that? <laughs> that, was, that was very well said. Colonel Riley. Thanks Jill In kinda, uh, piggyback on uh, Sergeant Finnamore, spoke about this. I think it's important t- to first realize do you just need to listen to somebody because m- maybe it's not that bad or I- I've been there myself. Maybe that's not what someone needs. Maybe they just need you to be there and listen. A- and I really liked what he said. And, and then after that, ask, what 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 can I do t- to help? And, and what would you like me to do? Maybe it is just listen or something you could do. Um, but I think sometimes we're quick to almost want to kind of minimize it'll be okay or that's, it's not that bad, and, and that's probably not what someone that, you know, really needs some help or, or is struggling needs to hear.
1: Thank you.
4: Yes, sometimes people don't need you to fix stuff for them. They just need uh, listen and ear. But what I can say from uh, just kind of like some last words is, which is, I, I believe is very true, you really cannot take care of others, right, unless you take care of yourself first, right? And that's said everywhere, and it may sound cliche, but it's very true, right? If we don't take care of our mind, body, and soul, then how can we really take care of others? And again, I'm learning that. I'm learning that I have to take care of me because I care so much about others, so I'm learning to focus on myself, I'm learning to utilize the different tools that are given to me so that I can be there, right? I want to l- live until I can live, 105, 110, 15, I, whatever, right? <laughs> no, but anyway, that's my goal, 101, okay? So write it down. No. But, but yes, so you, you do, you, you, you have to take care of yourself so you can take care of others, and another thing is like just to remember that you really cannot control what you can, that is not under your control. And I know that's a big stress for for many people. I mean, it is for myself, so I try to tell myself, you know, I cannot control that. I am not going to worry about that. I'm going to worry only about what I can control and what I can actually fix. So that's all I can really share right now.
5: Uh, I couldn't agree more, Sergeant Escobar. Um, What I would tell people is remember that you're not invincible. Uh, Not too long ago, I was only 22 years old, and I was kicking in the front door to someone's house as it was burning down. And as the Dust and the smoke cleared, and I left work that day. I realized that that was all for a family I didn't even know, never met, uh, probably will never meet them again. When I picked up my phone after leaving work, I realized that I had about five missed calls from friends and family. It was a Friday night. I'm 22 years old. I'm supposed to be going out having fun. Um, And I realized that, you know, what what am I doing right now? I have people that that care, want to look after me. They have no clue where I am right now. And I didn't know how to express that stress that I was going through, that I had been going through stuff at work, whether that's just not having time off, not getting enough sleep the night before, or dealing with something that's somewhat traumatic. Um, Just remember you're not invincible. Find people to lean on that safety net. Find people that you can find comfort in.
1: It's a a lot of love. I love that. I heard someone recently describe... Like, who do you want on your board of trustees? You know, really yeah. having having the right people. And I liked what you were saying about uh, just listening to someone. As a therapist, there are times when I want to say the right thing, have the right modality, uh, say something really profound. And I have to remind myself, like, the greatest gift I can give someone is to just listen to them. I don't have to fix it. And I guess I would also say uh, to to those of you struggling that you are worthy, you are loved. There is always, always hope. People feel very hopeless when they're struggling, and they can't see hope. And we have to try and give that to them. Um, It's very hard to see that um, when you're in a dark tunnel. and. And there's support. You just have to get the right support for yourself. So thank you, everyone, for being here. Anything else, Tim?
0: Well, I just wanted to add on to what Sergeant Hightower was just talking about about your experience kicking the door in a burning building, uh, home, I should say. Um, as you're talking about that story, I was reminded of my own personal story that I wanted to share. Uh, that I can tie this into this discussion. Um, I'm a survivor of a house fire. Was on the second floor of a, of a of a duplex that was totally engulfed in flame. There was no way out. Had to jump out of a second floor window to escape. And the for about twenty five minutes to a half an hour, I'm walking. Walk, this is like three o'clock in the morning, and I'm walking around the the, the front of the house. Um, I had neighbors on the right hand side of me that I didn't quite get up that side, but after about a half an hour, I see these two guys, and they were just you know two, you know, like it was talked about before, the two macho dudes, you know, they just ruined together. And I look over and they're embraced and they're crying, they're weeping. And I remember walking up the street and one of them turns and opens his eyes and he looks at me like he's seeing a ghost. They thought I perished in the fire. And the, the <laughs> immediately came over, both gave me a bear hug. And the, 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 the point I want to make is there are people around you that care about you that you don't even, maybe you don't even realize. The people that their lives would be irrevocably changed if you weren't there tomorrow. So if you think you're alone, you're really not. Um, and I'll for, forever remember those two guys, my two neighbors, that we used to talk maybe once or twice a week. But they truly cared. It, it, was, it, was, it was a life-changing moment for me. So thank you for bringing up your story.
1: Thank you, everybody. Uh, the other thing I was just thinking is, you know, this is just a really small group having a discussion, right? And I definitely feel... Like, I know each one of you a little bit better. I feel a little bit more connected, even though we're in very different places. And that's one of the things that we encourage here at the Wing. Have small group discussions. Get together, because it is more comfortable. Um, And that's a way that we can connect as well. So thank you, everyone, for being here. Thank you for sharing your stories, your resources. I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you.
5: Mm -hmm.
0: Why not?
1: Yeah, right? You guys were amazing.